Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 7, issue 341. And today we're going to be talking about Resident Evil 5. You can play along with the show. We know that uh, quite a number of you do this now. We have uh, some series continuing, starting with Final Fantasy 6 or Final Fantasy 3, the old US version, but everyone knows that that's not right. Uh, that's in the next podcast. After that, uh, a much more recent game. We're going to talk about Horizon Zero Dawn. Then we're continuing one of our sporadic series by getting back into Mario Kart with Double Dash. After that, another series that we're continuing. Uh, we've only done one so far, but this is the second show. We may return to the series in the future. It's Ghouls and Ghosts, or Daimakaimura. And then we continue this very series that we're talking about today with... Brace yourselves, it's Resident Evil 6. Going in with an open mind. I've played it before, but I haven't finished it. Anyway, we'll see how we all feel about Resident Evil 6 in a month. Perhaps it's uh, it, perhaps we'll surprise ourselves. Anyway, canorince.com is the place to go for the full schedule. You can find it there. People ask me often uh, what shows we have done and what shows we've got coming up. Well, it's all at canorince.com. We also have articles and blog features uh, and the odd review here and there as well. You can get every podcast a week earlier than non-subscribers by supporting us to the tune of just a dollar, a US dollar a month, which is currently around 76 pence or 0.88 of a euro. Patreon.com slash rinse. It's really much appreciated and helps us out a great deal. There's also a PayPal button on the homepage if you fancy just uh, throwing a coin or two in our hat just as a one-off. And don't forget also, we have another podcast. If you enjoy this one, we're pretty sure you'll enjoy Sound of Play, which comes out every Wednesday. You should definitely subscribe to that as well as this and review and rate wherever you can, be it Apple Podcasts or elsewhere. Also, don't forget, follow us on social media like you do all your favourite things these days, Instagram, Twitter or Facebook. Preferably all three. Now joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 341 are not the panel that was <laughs> planned up until recently, but that's great. We've got a whole different set of folks. We've got Charlotte Cutts. Hello. We've got Mikhail Croder. Complete global saturation. <laughs> and and, and Mikhail's just been fired for that, uh, so he won't be joining us. Uh, Albert Wesker instead. Oh, and Jacob Geller's here too. I just had an extreme makeover. Ah, nice New Jersey. The only person here qualified uh, for that sort of accent. Well, okay, you're all, you're all reinstated. You can all come along and play with me and talk about Resident Evil 5 known in japan as biohazard 5 although i suppose this was probably the start pretty much the um the start of the series uh being almost as much of a a kind of although it's still very much you know developed and made in japan i think this was where the series was very much starting to try to fully embrace the western audience uh it came out almost day and date uh technically it's not really but just if you're keeping track um, this would have been Resident Evil 7. Um, obviously, we've covered the mainline series up until now on the podcast. Uh, but Resident Evil 0 2002 chronologically became the first one in the series, uh, which made uh, Resident Evil Code Veronica from 2000 the fifth and Resident Evil 4 2005 the sixth. Uh, and the later release of Resident Evil Revelations in 2012, which takes place between Resident Evils 4 and 5. Uh, this game then technically became Resident Evil 8. And yeah, we haven't covered 
six or seven yet, but there you go. <laughs> uh, this is the first main entry to be produced after series creator Shinji Mikami had left the franchise, but obviously it was still handled uh, by Capcom internally with uh, Yoshihiro Anpo and Kenichi Ueda directing and Jun Takeuchi and Masachika Kawata uh, producing. It was released on PS3 and 360 March 5th, 2009. And the rest of the world got it between uh, a week later, there or thereabouts, the same year. Uh, from the forum already, we have Female Pheromones, which is a great name <laughs> and uh, keeps us guessing as to the gender of the poster. Uh, but Female Pheromones anyway says, I can remember pre-ordering Resident Evil 5 from Play.com in 2009. And the day before the game was due to release, I went home on my lunch break from work and there was the game sitting on the floor inside my front door. I was so excited, but at the same time really annoyed that I had to go back to work and wouldn't be able to play until later that evening. But I did go back into work, making sure to tell everyone that I already had the game that wasn't actually due to release until the following day. No one cared. <laughs> I think we've all been there. The Windows PC version came out. I think it was a uh, Games for Windows Live release initially uh, in September 2009. Um, it was a pretty decent version. Higher frame rates and higher resolutions were possible. Still are. Uh, the Gold Edition, which bundled in the uh, DLC episodes, uh, was released physically in February and March 2010, again on PS3 and 360. Uh, the game sold 12 million copies across all formats. That's including the recent releases uh, as, of, as of last month, up to date. So our personal histories with the game. Let's start with uh, our youngest panelist, I believe, Jacob. I remember seeing trailers for this game when I was not at all allowed to be playing it because I was I was still under, you know, strict parental supervision and um we've we've all had this moment but but it very much was a I don't think games can look any better than this was was kind of my <laughs> my initial yeah. rea my initial reaction to the trailer was turning to my friend sitting next to me and saying he looks more real than you which is you know <laughs> nonsensical like I don't, I don't know what I was going for but I remember only saying only his biceps weren't as well developed as yours <laughs> yes. right um and and then I it just it took me a really long time to play it. I think I, I started it several times, but didn't really have a dedicated co-op partner and, and just doing, doing it with an AI as we'll get into is, is, you know, challenging. Um, and, and so then just earlier this year, I kind of decided, all right, I'm, I'm finally going to do it. And with the help of some, uh, very, very nice random internet people on steam, I finally made my way through. Hmm. All right, Michiel, how about you? Yeah, this is a little bit of a reiteration of the story I told uh, on the Soul Calibur podcast because this game and Soul Calibur kind of prompted me, since I loved Soul Calibur 2 and Resident Evil 4 so much on the GameCube, prompted me to buy an Xbox 360. Um, pretty much, I felt at that point, uh, just owning Nintendo systems alone wasn't really cutting it anymore. Especially not with the Wii being so different from the competition. So yeah, I remember that first trailing trailer very well, and I was—I'm not going to lie—I was very much very charmed by the setting of it. Just that whole idea of horror in broad daylight, you know, no dark mansions, no no thunder flashes, no rain mm -hmm. coming down. So it looked uh, like a very interesting sort of uh, switch up of the series. 
and also being incredibly hyped off of uh, Resident Evil 4, of course, this, this really... Yeah, I was really on the lookout for this game. Then when more trailers showed and closer to to release, I saw, you know, the, 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 the gameplay footage. And I sort of became disgusted by it in the sense that it looked like the uh, Magini in the game were almost animated exactly the same as the Ganados. And, uh, you know, it, it, that's sort of like... Bro- uh, completely suspended my disbelief uh, hmm. and I never got around to Resident Evil 5 to actually buying it until very late I think 2013 I picked it up for 5 euros at a flea market and then I started sort of half-hearted playing it solo and not having the best of times but not not really uh, hating it either um, it's really kind of a appeared to me how just how similar at least that first those first two chapters of the game were indeed to Resident Evil 4 uh, and when we the lineup was uh, was uh, published for for this volume of Ken and Rin's podcast I was a candidate to be in the Resident Evil 4 show but not a candidate to be on the Resident Evil 5 show and I was thinking you know, so much has been said about Resident Evil 4 and how brilliant it is that I feel I don't really have a lot to add to the discussion there anymore. So I'm much more interested to dig into Resident Evil 5 and kind of try and discover why it's not as great as Resident Evil 4, despite many of the similarities there. So I really went in with that mindset when I started playing through it. And this time around, I got help from uh, Camille Rousseau, uh, K-Sub-Zero 1000 from the forum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we played through the story campaign together, played through the DLC together, and we did a bit of mercenaries as well. I will say there's uh, there's certainly more model variety in the the Magini compared to the Ganados. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Quite a large number. Yeah, but it, they, uh, they just did yeah. the same thing, like run up to you and then stand still and sort of yeah. hover around with their weapon of choice in their hand before they strike. Well, it worked you know? quite well in four, so that was the bit I was mm. I was least concerned about. <laughs> I felt like I was going to fight the same enemies again, uh, just with well, different skins. Uh, <laughs> on yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, we'll talk about the encounters uh, yeah. later on. Charlotte, uh, when did you come to this one? I, I noticed you uh, tweeted that this was uh, a gateway to horror for you in some ways, uh, although we're going to talk about how much of a horror some people think this game is. But yeah, so you you struggled with scary games? Yeah, and I, I still struggle with scary games. Like, I could never... I'm going to try to pick up a Silent Hill game for this Halloween, but I'm not promising anything to anybody. I got Resident Evil 5 very, very late, so I didn't even get my PlayStation 3 till 2015. Um, mm-hmm. And I was just in the process of going to Computer Exchange when I was visiting England and just buying a load of games for cheap. And I'd had this really weird history with Resident Evil because um, I always found the story really interesting. Like I'd read the story of all the games over and over again on Wikipedia when I was like procrastinating from university work. Um, Hmm. But I was always too scared to actually play them. So I borrowed Resident Evil 4 from a school friend when I was 14 and it sat under my stairs for about a month and I didn't put it in my PlayStation 2 at all because I was too scared. Hidden in a cupboard sort of thing. Yes. So it couldn't come and get you. Yes, exactly. Um, So Resident (laughs) Evil 5, um, I talked about this with my boyfriend at the time and we we were like, oh, we may as well just play it co-op. It's not as scary as the standard Resident Evil game and maybe Mm. it will be a good method of getting myself used to zombies because zombies was a thing that I was particularly scared of. And um, we're going to talk about this more, but it did 
very much work in getting used to having enemies, particularly zombies, coming up to me in my face. So, mm. yeah, I, but I did mainly play it as a co-op game, which is we're also going to discuss later on. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, I was uh, hugely excited for this because it was uh, Resident Evil's debut on the the then current gen systems. Uh, so it meant uh, higher definition, higher resolution graphics. Um, listeners to previous podcasts uh, will know that I played Resident Evil 4 through a lot of times and absolutely adored it. But, um, it, you know, it was starting to get to the point where uh, this was pre- the uh, the up-resed versions so we talked about the pros and cons of those but uh, it was it was exciting the the idea of something as amazing as Resident Evil 4 but with even better graphics and um, I was certainly not at all put off by without the political side of it just thinking about the, the setting it sounded interesting and the the fact that it was more daytime stuff actually tied in I remember talking to my mum as a kid about having nightmares about where I was rather than in small enclosed dark spaces I was in wide open bright harshly lit spaces because in fact it's harder to hide in those so i sort of it sort of tied in with that um with that fear of mine so I, yeah i was i was well keen i picked it up day one um i'd intended not to buy that many games that year but then i started podcasting that same a uh, few months into that year and uh, that went out the window but yeah i played it through a good couple of times or more replayed certain sections and chapters in co-op as well um, played some mercenaries unlocked most of the stuff um, yeah played it tons on xbox 360 then uh, i got the i bought it again on ps3 with gold and played about half of, no about a third of it i'd say again uh, received it it was a playstation plus game in november 2012 so i you know i own it as long as i'm a ps plus subscriber i've been back to that version a little bit for this podcast as well um, and also I've played through the Steam version again in uh, in 1080p and 60 hertz as well. So, uh, yeah, I've played it through across multiple formats a number of times, uh, some co-op, some solo. And my opinion of it has wavered all over the place. But, yeah, we'll get into that. So the scenario and setting, we've already mentioned it. Uh, so this uh, is the game in which Chris returns for the first time since co-veronica yeah yeah this takes place five years after resident evil 4 which just about matches the uh the gap in release almost he is sent to uh the fictional uh central probably african nation of kijuju i think it's africa. west africa west, west africa. okay yeah uh, it still it counts could, as central it could it could be central but at least the bsaa faction says that the, the west uh, african, oh, okay. uh bsaa okay. faction. Ah, yeah. Yeah. yeah fair enough and actually due to uh, the increased diversity of skin colours that Capcom brought into the game, it actually makes it feel more like it's some. it could be anywhere between... There's some very North African-looking models and some very South African-looking models yeah. and mm. everything in between. So in the end, it's uh, it's like Toto's view of Africa. It's uh, it's, <laughs> it's just one big one big place. Um, where, the, con- uh, the country of Africa. Yes, the country of Africa. I mean, that, that, yeah. is, that is how almost everyone refers to this as... It's the Resident Evil in Africa, not yeah, in, that's right. not in Kajuju yeah. or whatever. Yes. It's just yeah. Africa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, local agent uh, Sheva Alamar, who's actually I think of Jamaican descent, um, 
is supposed to be anyway. Uh, she's uh, mixed heritage. Joins Chris in the mission to apprehend Ricardo Irving, uh, who we heard from earlier, courtesy of Jacob, <laughs> who is trying to sell bioweapons in the black market. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, the backstory involving the BSAA, which is this pharmaceutical formed anti bioweapon terrorism bioterrorism yeah. <laughs> just, kind of in, kind of organization yeah yeah that, i mean that that's not going to happen <laughs> that's, that's conceptually how, how, how are you so, so certain about that <laughs> it's conceptually <laughs> dubious from the off uh, and that's before we even get into the into yeah. the political stuff uh, so yes, uh, soon our protagonists are attacked by hordes of locals infected by an improved version of the Las Plagas parasite. Uh, yeah, that's according to Moby Games. Uh, female pheromones again says, I thought they did quite a good job of tying into Resident Evil Zero and Code Veronica with mention of the progenitor virus and the Ashfords. I think this game tied into the others in the series more than any of the previous games had bothered to do. I enjoyed the bit of backstory of Chris and Jill working together to track Wesker down and finding out that Wesker had killed Oswell Spencer, who was responsible for building the mansion from the original game. The only downside was how obvious it was that, uh, by the way, I haven't issued a spoiler warning. This is your spoiler warning. I'm about to spoil something. The only downside was how obvious it was that Jill had survived the fall and Wesker was using her as the bird lady, which was the name used for her in forums before the game released. Yeah. Kind of a plague doctor uh, costume. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So uh, I think we may as well tackle it front and center. The uh, issues surrounding the game. The, and, and it also makes sense because we often talk about pre-release stuff and this sort of story broke pre-release uh, as you'll hear. Now, I'm going to do something I don't normally do, which is take a passage from Wikipedia. In this case, I'm doing it because I think it does quite a good job of fairly neutrally giving a potted history of uh of what happened and uh, raising some of the arguments on both sides. And then we can talk about how we feel. And we've got some contributions from the forum as well. So uh, if you'll forgive me, I'll just read this. Resident Evil 5's 2007 E3 trailer was criticised for depicting a white protagonist killing black enemies in a small African village. According to Newsweek editor Nguy Kroll, there was a lot of imagery in that trailer that dovetailed with classic racist imagery, although he acknowledged that only the preview had been released. Takeuchi, Jin Takeuchi, the director, uh, producer, sorry, said the game's producers were completely surprised by the complaints. The second trailer for the game, released on 31st May 2008, revealed a more racially diverse group of enemies and the African BSAA agent Alamar, who assists the protagonist. Critics felt that Alamar's character was added to address the issue of racism, though Karen Dyer, the actor, said the character had been in development before the first trailer was released. Uh, which, to be honest, that rings true, I don't think, anyway. Takeuchi denied that complaints about racism had any effect in altering the design of Resident Evil 5. He acknowledged that different cultures may have had differing opinions about the trailer, though he, say, uh, though, so he did not expect there to be further complaints once the game is released and people were able to play the game and see what it is for themselves. In a computer and video games interview, producer Masachika Kawata also addressed the issue. We can't please everyone. We're in the entertainment business. We're not here to state our political opinion or anything like that. It's unfortunate that some people felt that way. In Eurogamer's February 2009 preview of the game, Dan Whitehead expressed concern about controversy the game might generate. 
It plays so blatantly into the old clichés of the dangerous, dark continent and the primitive lust of its inhabitants that you'd swear the game was written in the 1920s, Whitehead said, that these issues became more outrageous and outdated as the game progressed and that the addition of the light-skinned Alamar just made the overall issue worse. Hilary Goldstein from IGN believed that the game was not deliberately racist, and though she did not personally find it offensive, she felt that others would due to the subjective nature of offensiveness. Chris Hudak dismissed any allegations of racism as stupid. Karen Dyer, who is of Jamaican descent, also dismissed the claims. She said that in over a year of working on the game's development, she never encountered anything racially insensitive and would not have continued working there if she did. Wesley Yinpool of Videogamer.com said that despite the controversy the game was attracting due to alleged racism, no expert opinion had been sought. He asked Glenn Bowman, senior lecturer in social anthropology at the University of Kent, whether he thought the game was racist. Bowman considered the racism accusations silly, saying that the game had an anti-colonial theme and those complaining about the game's racism might be expressing an inverted racism which says you can't have scary people who are black. It was reported that one cutscene in the game showed black men dragging off a screaming white woman. According to Yin Poole, the allegation was incorrect and the single man dragging the woman was not obviously black. Uh, which is true, I checked. The scene was submitted to the British Board of Film Classification for evaluation. BBFC Head of Communications Sue Clark said, there is only one man pulling the blonde woman in from the balcony and he is not black either. As the whole game is set in Africa, it's hardly surprising that some of the characters are black. We do take racism very seriously, but in this case, there is no issue around racism. Academic journals and conferences, however, have continued to comment on the theme of race within the game. In 2011, Andre Brock from Games and Culture said that the game drew from well-established racial and gender stereotypes, saying that the African people were only ever depicted as savage, even before transitioning into zombies. Writing for the Digital Games Research Association in 2011, Geza and Shabalala noted that racial stereotyping had never been intended by Capcom, although uh, although compared their depiction of Africa to that of the 1899 novel Heart of Darkness, post-colonial Africa, they opined, was portrayed as being unable to take care of itself and at the mercy of Western influences. Writing for the Philosophy of Computer Games conference in 2015, Hara and Pitschumer considered Resident Evil 5 to be yet another moment in the history of commodity racism, which from the late 19th century onwards allowed popular depictions of racial stereotypes to enter the most intimate spaces of European homes. The authors state that Africa is presented from a Western gaze. What is presented as authentic blackness conforms to the projected fantasy of predominantly white gaming audience. In 2016, Paul Martin from Games and Culture said that the theme of the game could be described as, quote, dark continent, stating that it drew on imagery of European colonialism and depictions of blackness, reminiscent of 19th century European theories on race. Uh, so it's a complex issue. I think it's fair to say who would like to open up on how they feel about this uh, tricky subject. It's been very difficult to square how I feel about um, the portrayal of um, the villagers that you meet in Resident Evil 5 with the villagers in Resident Evil 4. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's also an issue where um, in, for example, Resident Evil 1 and Remake, a lot of the people who were affected by the T-virus in those games, you sort of see them as um, you read their diary entries and you get a sense of what their life was like before they were infected. Whereas the implication in both 4 and 5 is that um, these, these villagers were potentially sort of 
it's hinted that they, they may, may have acted like so-called savages before they were even infected, which is why it comes across as in a bit poor taste to me sometimes. Yeah, they certainly weren't, uh, as we, we commented on on the kind of, yeah, the, the very odd um, sort of portrayal of Spain of, of mm. the 2000s yeah. being as if they were still sort of medieval people. But here, uh, yeah, the key being perhaps that um, while there's an equality in that, there's also the, the imagery of having Caucasian people from Europe portrayed in that way is not as loaded uh, as portraying African people that way due to yeah, that- the way that black people have been presented throughout history by white people that's that's yeah some some really good points i hadn't even considered that uh, both four and five are very similar in that sense and they both i think prey on a certain yeah se- let's let's just call it what it is xenophobia like a fear mm. of the unknown up until that point resident evil has always had a sort of european or, or uh or an american setting um so you know japanese it's sort of games pre- set in in the us but I don't exactly think, i don't think there was any sense from the the us set games that the developers felt that these places were sort of yeah backwards no that's what that's whatever. what i mean yeah it yeah, sort of exactly. preys on 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 the fear of somebody going abroad for the first time and coming in into this you know really uh yeah this this strange uh rural places where with with where people look at you in a, in a hostile way mm-hmm. mm. I'll, I'll say kind of as a forward that although i'm not a a lecturer at the university of kent I do have a degree in sociology, which was mainly for me a kind of race studies degree. And so I've read many, 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 many pages on kind of race and history and and this kind of context. And when you're doing that, one of the themes that continues to to present itself is is dehumanization of kind Mm. of, you know, whenever you hear savage or primitive or, you know, any of these kind of like hot button words you kind of know that it's going to the same argument, whether that's Native Americans or, you know, Africans mm. with the slave trade or, you know, whoever. It's it's to make someone less than human. You know, yeah. that's that's what phrenology, like skull measuring is about, is making right. someone yeah. different. And, and so Resident Evil 5, and I understand that it's a zombie game, I really do, but... But it dehumanizes in in the most literal way, you know, yeah. almost almost immediately it makes this whole country and kind of by extension, the whole continent, because it's so ambiguous, yeah. just other and dangerous. And and I think that that's, you know, when when you're dehumanizing a a something in fiction that has been so consistently dehumanized in real life you need to grapple with that context and i and i don't think the game does the the context matters so much in resident evil 5 and i i remember seeing the first trailer and it hadn't really struck out to me yet because you see chris running through some uh some alleyways and there are some shadows following him so you you don't really get to see it then the e3 uh 2007 trailer is what really started the controversy right uh, when uh, Guy Kroll uh, uh, wrote wrote about it, yeah. and I must say, I was already I was on a on a my my only online place was a forum centered around the discussion of hip hop music. A lot of uh, African American members there, and there was some heated debate already going on about that trailer. And the first thing when I saw was just like this wholesome American white guy shooting a lot of black people. Hmm. You know, it's you can for me I couldn't ignore the, just the 
a historical context uh, yeah. of that. And the thing is, I'm I'm I have been trying for the last couple of days to to look more into this. Like, why is Resident Evil Five so much more guilty than, let's say, a movie like Black Hawk Down? Or uh, so many Call of Duty games that have you uh, shoot shoot uh, you know foreign nationals on on their mm. soil as as wholesome uh, American military men. And maybe it's exactly this. Maybe it's exactly that sort of the plaga's infected locals. They're kind yeah they they're kind of it's almost kind of a shield to make them appear even more rabid and outrageous and uh, savage than than uh, you could normally you know with any sort of sense of uh political correctness uh depict them yeah if i if i had to compare it to a, a fictional you know like a film or whatever i think it would probably be zulu you know where it's where with like michael kane where it's just kind of mm. like the, the there there are the good white people and then there's just this kind of mass of mm. of other of africans who are who are kind of running and being cut down and whatever and even even in something like Black Hawk Down, it, you still get the sense that the people they're fighting are individuals, and mm-hmm. in this, there's just it's it's just it's just one kind of group, and and again, it's the same in Resident Evil Four. It's the same in lots of zombie things, but when it's in this context, kind of making this just this massive inhuman group just is too too loaded to ignore. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. That's the the difference between the Spain setting and the uh, Pan-African setting. Mm. Yeah, I was reminded, uh, I went to see Spike Lee's new movie recently, Black Klansman. There's a scene in that in which um, Klansmen are uh, watching the notorious, infamous uh, film Birth of a Nation. Uh, the legacy of that movie is is somewhat responsible for race relations in America to this day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're still seeing uh, imagery of that kind, but actually, <clears throat> you know, used to, yeah, as you say, dehumanize certain kinds of people uh, from the white person's perspective. It's normally, yeah, people of color um, who are depicted in this, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, this dehumanized way um, in the same way that, uh, yeah, notorious trash uh clickbait columnist katie hopkins uh described uh asylum seekers as uh you know like parasite or parasites in boats or swarming like cockroaches or something you know that that kind of language mm. um and uh yeah it's particularly i think the um it's actually when uh when chris and sheva end out in the wet wetlands mm. and that's where the actual uh the 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 non-city dwelling uh magini are are still uh, hold up now there, there's a couple of i think quite sort of clunkily inserted pieces of flavor text and lines to remind us that they these people these locals are the victims um but actually you know the imagery of uh of these uh tribesmen in grass skirts and wearing bones and spiky skulls and all this sort of thing you know ties in very closely with with birth of a nation but but yes, as you say, by you know there is also the argument, which is that you know it's it's another setting, and this is um, you know this is now where the zombies are. And I understand. I think it's a you know that's an inc- incredibly simplistic and kind of um, ignorant way of looking at it. But I but I do understand where it comes from. Um, it comes up a lot. I notice in um, 
as regards to sexism and misogyny where it's uh, it's quite difficult for uh, contemporary films to have female antagonists without the entire film being written off by some in some quarters as misogynistic but actually mm. perhaps it's just that character is an evil character and there's a reason for them being female but again it's loaded isn't it because of because of yeah. our hist- historical uh attitudes i think this game is also interesting uh because of when it came out because i think Mm. the the kind of games writing industry or or like the conversation just wasn't quite there no you know that it was um it was it was referenced you know the idea that it might be racist was brought up which wouldn't have been done you know 20 years before but you know, now we have today we have Waypoint and Kotaku and, you know, thousands of people on Twitter who are kind of attuned to see this sort of stuff. And but, a lot of people fighting against that. Very hard, <laughs> yes. But yeah. yeah. But but, you know, in even though there were there were clearly people who spoke up when it happened, those people were were both the the minority and I think kind of you know, really treated poorly by the rest of the journalism community. Like it, it was, it was viewed as kind of rocking the boat in a, in a way that's really, really kind of gross and toxic. And also um, a quote from, I can't remember which um, person involved in Resident Evil 5 said this, but um, the Wikipedia thing that you read out, Leon, was Mm. saying that, um, well, it's just a game. We didn't think about this, these issues when we designed it. Whereas nowadays you you can't design a piece of game narrative without thinking of all of these issues. It shouldn't be said that this game had any aspirations to anything higher and i don't think it i don't think any of it it's it's not um it's not malicious in any way i don't think it's pure no. ignorance and naivety this game is this game dumb is... as hell in, in yeah, every it's way pure hollywood schlock it just adopts imagery that has been around for a long time without giving it a second thought like what is what does yeah. this imagery actually actually represent yeah. on a broader cultural yeah. social political scale when you think about the setting of uh, Resident Evil 5, uh, 5, I still find it just a very interesting setting. This this blinding daylight, this heat ha- haze, mm. and sort of this feverish uh, environment yeah. where, you know, flesh rots very quickly in the sun. And it's it's a setting that reminds you of poverty-stricken parts of the world that have been plagued by genocide very clearly. You know, the Rwanda genocide comes to, li- uh, comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, and that's not exclusive to the African continent, of course. I mean, we've had Yugoslavia as well, closer to home. Mm. But it's a real life horror setting in some some sense. You know, it's yeah. it's a place where you could see like real real life horror taking place without even there being infections. Uh, That's and, very and, true. And we just had, um, um, and we've just covered as well. This was not deliberate, but we we covered Far Cry Two. Um, yeah, and and that was a game that was set in and around uh, an African conflict yeah. um, and it's the type of t- type of horror that's that's much more tangible and real than uh you know, you know uh mutating body horror yes yes let's hear from a couple more forum posts we can come back in in between uh, and after and uh, if we've got anything more to say inspired by first joshi hatsumitsu who says there are interesting arguments on one side there's a very interesting interview with glenn bowman senior lecturer at the Depart- department of anthropology at the university of kent which is worth a read and on the other side there's dan whitehead's breakdown of the first three chapters and to cherry pick a quote there will be plenty of people who refuse to see anything untoward in this material it wasn't racist when the enemies were spanish in resident evil 4 goes the argument 
argument, but then the Spanish don't have the baggage of being stereotyped as subhuman animals for the past 200 years. I'm under the personal assumption that perhaps any insensitivity regarding racism in the game comes more from ignorance than from malevolence. It doesn't give it a free pass or excuse it, and not everyone necessarily interprets the imagery in the same way, but the worst thing that has come out of it nine years after its initial release is discussion. It may not be a comfortable discussion, or easy, but it's always relevant and healthy to address these issues in games or any other media. I personally didn't find the game intentionally or deliberately racist, but I also have to acknowledge that I'm saying this, saying that as a middle-aged white male living in a first world country, Australia, a country that has plenty of issues regarding racism and colonialism, I've never had to deal with discrimination with my race or gender, so that has to be taken into account with my interpretation of the game. Personally, I kind of treat the game as dumb fun. I don't think it's an intelligent enough game to try for any sort of social commentary or anything particularly deep, nor does it need or have to. I think the intention was simply to take a Resident Evil game and set it in Africa simply because why not seems like an interesting setting. To borrow a quote from this uh, from this interview with Karen Dyer, who did the voice acting and motion capture of Sheva, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Again, emphasising white guy opinion here, it's very easy for me to take this point of view as I wasn't personally offended. I think I can totally empathise with Josie Hatsumitsu there. Um, I do. I want to just just one thing, and I think it's mm. a it's a very good and intelligently written post. Um, there are there are worse things that have come from it than discussion, because mm. the way that this kind of imagery works Gamergate. is, you know, <laughs> that it yeah it it reinforces you know pre existing stereotypes and and has kind of maintained this image in people's heads, which I yes. do think is damaging, and so mm. it's not. It's certainly not like solely to blame for anything, but it is this kind of insidious bad that comes in with poor representation. Yeah, actually, I, I completely agree with that. Uh, we have uh, a typically thoughtful and uh, nuanced posts from uh, Camille, K-Sub-Zero. Uh, it's quite lengthy, but again, I think it's worth reading and considering for us and for the listener. So... The very foundation of zombie and zombie-related fiction is that becoming a zombie robs you of your identity and humanity, effectively killing you in spirit, if not in body. The Maginis in Resident Evil 5 may not technically count as conventional zombies, but I think the notion still applies. They are not attacking the protagonists out of their own volition, fueled by their allegedly brutal nature, or because their allegedly primitive cultural values dictate it. They are doing so because the parasites force them to. Whatever personality traits, values, belief systems they had in the past are gone by the time the events of the game transpire. For all intents and purposes, the human beings they were have ceased to exist, and only their bodies remain as hosts to the parasites. In that sense, the colour of their skin matters just as much of the colour of their eyes or their blood type. This is the fictional context the game is set in. It's hardly highbrow literature, but to dismiss it out of hand is not very intellectually honest in my eyes. Another thing that should be pointed out is that the game does have a noticeable anti-colonialist thematic at its core. It's not exactly the most fleshed out or thought-provoking message, but it is there and shouldn't be dismissed. The backstory makes it clear that the events in Kajuju are the direct result of Tricell's exploitation and interference in the area. The Maginis aren't the villains, they are the victims of a Western pharmaceutical co uh, corporation. 
The actual villains of the story, namely Wesker, Excella and Irving, are all white Westerners, while the two most heroic supporting characters, Sheva and Josh, are both locals. I don't think this was a purely random choice on the part of the writers. I've never felt any animosity towards the Maginis while playing this game. I've always considered them to be tragic victims of Tricell's wrongdoing, devoid of personal responsibility for their own actions in accordance with the established tropes of zombie fiction. The scene of the locals beating on a sack in the very beginning is in bad taste. It seems to reinforce negative stereotypes and the game would be better off without it. The closest I can come to accuse the creators of bigoted intent is in regards to Sheva's design. Not because of the alleged notion that her mixed ethnicity is meant to imply her to be more civilised, as evidenced by Josh's presence, but rather because Capcom thought they had to make her as light-skinned as possible in order for her to qualify as attractive, thus pandering to bullshit female beauty standards that are especially prominent in East Asia. That's my assumption anyway. That's about it. My ideal political version of the game would remove the scene in the beginning and maybe a couple of other minor scenes, commit more firmly to Sheva's African heritage and would ideally include a prologue chapter or cutscene in which Josh and Sheva are evacuating the non-infected members of the local population. The rest of the game would be more or less the same because I find the overall fictional context to be acceptable and plausible enough for the type of story it tries to tell. With all that being said, I can see how some people would find some of the imagery uncomfortable. If I remember correctly, the first time I heard of the controversy was through an article about a politically active middle-aged African lady who had seen one of the first trailers and had had a strong negative reaction towards it. I can't honestly blame her for reacting that way. It's unrealistic to expect everyone to be perfectly informed of the rest of the game's themes and characters, and the imagery alone does indeed resemble some of the imagery that has been used in bigoted media in the past. Here's the thing, though. Evoking questionable material does not inherently make it questionable material. Proper critical analysis should not begin and end with a simple screenshot. I'll gladly take a work like Resident Evil 5 with insensitive imagery but a decent and positive core message over the opposite case of a work with subdued and or inconspicuous aesthetics but with a more pernicious and toxic core message, of which there are many examples. To see it being paraded as the most prominent example of racism in games so many years after release leaves me perplexed. It's a very low-hanging fruit as far as I'm concerned. If the logical conclusion of this train of thought is that zombie-related fiction cannot be set anywhere on the African continent, then all I can say is that I don't find this to be a very progressive or persuasive mindset. Needless to say, I would be having a very different reaction if the game was only about a white dude in Africa attacked by crazed non-infected locals without rhyme or reason to it. So yes, I can understand how some people would find the game to be racially and or culturally insensitive, but that doesn't make it inherently racist. My preferred definition of racism has very little to do with offensiveness. It's about a bigoted mindset and a sense of deeply ingrained demographic hierarchy. In other words, it's about the intent of the author rather than the perception of the recipient. And I think that's a very important distinction to make. I've got to, I've got to disagree with that last line. I think that it's a another another very well written post, but mm. authorial intent is not is not where the damage of racism comes from. Mm. Yeah. Um, and and so you know it's it's not entirely up to, to you know everyone to interpret things in their own way, but uh, d you can certainly accidentally make something racist, and I I Oops. think that is what <laughs> yeah. what happened. Oops, here. I made something racist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I think you're right. I, th I, yeah. I do. Yeah. So we've talked a little about the uh, setting, um, and I've talked about the fact that the game had more pixels than its predecessor. Uh, but uh, away from the serious stuff, uh, how do you feel about the the visuals of the game? I know some of you have come to this uh, considerably more recently. So obviously, I'd say uh, playing it in 2009, 
uh, I was uh, I was impressed by the by the graphics on a technical and aesthetic level. Um, not so keen on Chris's character design, not just the muscles, but the face. Um, yeah. But mm. everything else looked uh, away from, away from the the controversial nature of the imagery. Um, I'd say visually, it was actually uh, a pretty striking game. Some amazing fire effects, some cool lighting, uh, yeah. a real sense of atmosphere and dust and 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 all that. Yeah, good stuff. So I was, uh, I was, yeah, attracted to the game by that, those aspects. How about uh, playing it more recently? Just one quick thing. I think it helps. It it help holds up incredibly well for a two thousand nine game. Mm. Hmm. To be honest, I w- I probably did see it as a little bit less impressive than I otherwise would have done because of like playing it. And I think I first played it in two thousand seventeen actually. Um, and I played the PS3 version as well, which didn't help. Yeah. Um, one thing that struck me is that the color palette seems very, it's it sort of falls into the same trap of a lot of games of that era. It seems very sort of greeny, yellowy, browny at some points. Um, though you can change the filter. You can actually buy That's extra true. filters to change Classic that. Classic horror so. filter or sepia yeah. filter or, yeah, all that kind of thing. Yeah, that's true. You can change the look of it up. Mm. Um I have to say, I think it's I think it's stunning. I mean, as as someone, <laughs> I reveal myself to be a huge hypocrite. Um, but <laughs> I um, Jacob yeah, even... calls racist games stunning. <laughs> <laughs> That's the headline. Um, you know, even even playing it in 2018, you know, I'm playing it on a on a souped up PC and mm. kind of full 60, 1080, whatever. But I think, I mean, the way the way the lighting works in this game, you know, how it kind of filters through little holes in the environment. And um, I can always tell I'm I'm very taken with a game when I spend a long time looking at at the characters outfits in terms of like texture. You know, I remember this with uh, with The Witcher and more recently with with Spider-Man, but just like. You know, you can tell how the different parts of Chris's shirt would feel, you know, that they're mm-hmm. they're kind of rough parts and they're smooth parts and they're ones that are hard and whatever. And and all of the all of the textures have this incredible detail put into them um, that I, I just I, I think it's still an incredible looking game. Yeah, uh, what I will say is, uh, as I say, I, I played through the PC version like yourself, everything maxed out um, for this, for most of my playthrough recently. But I just uh, decided just to compare and contrast. Uh, I installed the, the gold version on PS3 and it's a little blurry, a little fuzzier. It mm. runs at half the frame rate, but actually uh, it only took me a little while to, to get back used to used to it. And in fact, it, it sort of, if anything it's uh it's like less less fidelity actually masks some of the there's some of the um lower polygon you know by modern standards assets i'm you know i'm going from playing horizon zero dawn in 4k currently mm-hmm. to resident evil 5 on a pc you can see how how many fewer polygons are used in the environments but then actually jumping to the ps3 version it actually sort of masks some of those inadequacies a little so there's yeah swings and roundabouts in that regard but yeah, I would. Um, I'm not sure if the PS4 and Xbox One versions run at 60 frames or not, or not. But um, whereas Resident Evil 4, we said had some issues uh, running at 60 frames because it was never designed to play that way. I think the PS, the PC version of RE5, which was almost contemporaneous, was always designed to run at 60, and as such, the game functions very nicely at a smooth 60 frames if you've got that available to you. Sound. We've talked about all the way through this series, um, even when 
uh, we've we've been back to the early games in the series and and found that the sound is now you know seems a little uh, basic in some ways. We've always commented on how ambitious it was and how important it was to the atmosphere. Um, I think the sound design in this game is is one of its strongest. Uh, aspects. It's the first game in the series with a true Dolby 5.1 surround mix, uh, which is obviously something that is uh, actually quite helpful for for uh, those with full hearing um, and a surround sound setup because you can you can actually use it uh, for help um, to give you clues as to where uh, enemies are, bosses, and things like that. Uh, the game received five nominations. Uh, for at the 2010 Game Audio Network Guild Awards for Audio of the Year, Best Cinematic Cutscene Audio, Best Dialogue, uh, Best Original Vocal Song, uh, which I don't even remember hearing, uh, in the pop genre uh, for the theme song Prey, uh, and the Best Use of Multi-Channel Surround Sound in a Game. I think that uh, was in the credits, possibly. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. Oh, maybe I, oh, I probably skipped it. Anyway, <laughs> um, but the uh, yes, the the usual um, mixture of uh, convincing gun sounds, uh, delicious splats, uh, general atmospheric noises, um, and some nice jingles and chimes. Some of which have been ported straight over from from the predecessor, and some new stuff as well. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the the audio side how about you i feel like not a lot of it was truly memorable for me i really liked the item box music and in fact i i requested that on sound of play once i think mainly what impressed me was these little um sound effects like the sound that um happens when you use a um a first aid spray was quite mm. satisfying it's very and nice noise yeah. Yeah, and, and um, yeah, I think just a lot of the the smaller sound notes were a big step up from when I've watched let's plays of earlier entries into the series. I didn't find the um, the the gun noises to be quite as uh, memorable. You know, it's like in my in my brain, I can still hear the red nine. You know, from from Resident yeah, Evil Four, yeah. like I know what mm. that gun sounds like, and I know what the rifles do as well. And in this, it seemed like. Um, this is this is kind of gameplay. I'm not sure, but all all the weapons were like more or less real models of guns in this one, which was a change. Mm. And I think that they lose a little individuality. Um, yeah. I don't I don't mm -hmm. think they're quite as interesting as as in previous entries. Mm -hmm. The shotgun packed uh, packed a good punch though. Oh yes, yeah, no, they felt good. Satisfying. <laughs> yeah. On the subject of the yeah the music though is a new composer to the series a person somebody with not many credits outside either uh, Kota Suzuki uh, yeah the, for me there's some interesting stuff right at the start and I like the between uh, level music which is probably what replaces the any kind of safe room music mm -hmm. um, but this is uh, a game chock full of really quite generic uh, action cues I think it's yeah what's there some of it's absolutely fine none of it really annoyed me but a lot of it was kind of wallpaperish for me a lot of it is also just very reminiscent of resident evil 4 again mm. also the music i seem to recall the music that played during the final wesker fight was very over the top hollywood <laughs> action music i didn't Definitely, gel with that yeah. very well at all really. <laughs> what else could it have been though i mean really. <laughs> yeah <fair. laughs> how, how do you score somebody Punching a boulder. There's the first mention of the boulder punching. More yeah. to come. <laughs> <laughs> 
any particularly uh, any any bits of the score that stood out either for you, Jacob or or Mikhail, or was it um, not, for, not really? No. I, yeah, I can't remember anything. No. Yeah, <laughs> I'm particularly bad actually with uh, with video game music that's just there. You know, something really has to s- s- jump out at me mm. to for me to actually remember it okay. there's there's only one song that plays during all of the mercenaries uh and and the oh. loop seems to be about a minute and a half long which is oh. maddening when <laughs> you're spending hours and hours in that mode oh i wish i wish there was a little more variety there turn that slider down i feel like um though a part of it is that a lot of the music in resident evil 5 because it's sort of sidelined as this not really a resident evil game that mm. a lot of the the soundtrack might not have sank into the gaming public consciousness, like some of the, for example, the save room music in uh, Resident Evil One. So that might be a factor in why it's not as memorable. Yeah. Onto characters and cast and script and performances. Uh, Chris Redfield, played by Ruben Langdon, uh, also known as Dante in Devil May Cry 3 and 4, and the forthcoming Devil May Cry 5. Also voices Ken, Ken Masters, in Street Fighters 4 and 5. Uh, Sheva Alomar, played by uh, Karen Dyer, who was formerly known as Ava Ladere. Uh, she was nominated for Outstanding Achievement in Character Performance at the 2010 Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences Awards. Uh, overall, um, Sheva, it was interesting doing research for this show, how much, um, how much outcry there is for people from people to want her to return to the series but she's never been used again um mm. i overall I, you know i think she's she's pretty cool um but i do think uh having heard karen dyer speaking in real life she has uh, an american accent and here she's using something that has um notes of uh of some kind of african generic african accent if there is such a thing because we don't know where it's set and the accent is slightly wobbly at times yeah uh, i thought it was south african because i work with a couple of south african people Mm. so it was like but then i looked it up and it was like oh no she was born in west africa and then moved to the united states and so i think i think the accent was a little bit um bit bit all over the place hmm and who for, who can forget DC Douglas as, as Albert Wesker? Oh, I mean, stunning, stunning performance. I know it's a, a criticism that I often bring up. Um, it's the 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 kids' cartoon sort of level of of dialogue, which I don't mind in a kids' cartoon. I, I used to watch kids' cartoons, and actually, you know, they can kids' cartoons a lot can be a lot smarter than you know one another thinking about batman the animated series from the 90s and things like that which was you know had some genuinely great stuff in it but it's that weird thing where you've got script and dialogue that is aimed at seemingly very young people because it's so you know it's so camp and simplistic and yet you've got all this horrific imagery which is definitely for you know definitely for people above a certain age it seems like a weird a weird place to be in for me but then i suppose it's no different to a lot of horror movies in that regard right. but mm. i do think i mean we should say the the imagery in this game is is truly horrifying it's like it's almost bizarre that the game ends up being not that scary given like what what they're working with I because completely it's like agree uh you yeah. know the the kind of we had the 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 tentacle coming out of the head thing in four <laughs> but it's like it's so it's so just like thick and horrible in this game you know it's really it's like all of the thing that what happens with excello where she kind of like 
like is merged with that pile of corpses and whatever mm-hmm. like there is there is wild stuff that happens in this mm-hmm. that should be really just like jaw droppingly grotesque but it just comes off as like yeah whatever i completely agree and this was actually something i wanted to talk about specifically because uh, carl said it on on our uh, cana rinse slack the other day and i've seen this comment raised in uh, in respects of resident evil 5 many many times it's not a horror game that's that's a it's a quote from our carl and my immediate thought was it's it's horrific it is horrific like the fact that it's not scary does not mean it's not horror yeah. in this game not all, not all horror films are scary well either. completely or, yeah so, some of them are just grotesque and icky yeah, yeah it's, or, a, it's a gore yeah. game more than a, a yeah yeah you know traditional yeah, i think game. grotesque is a good word yeah but I, I think Carl might be coming from perspective that I tried to debunk on the very first Resident Evil game uh, mm. podcast that there's no such thing as horror games as a genre of games. Mm. It's just a, a, a theme that's it's over just, it. And Carl, yeah. Carl, I think, is looking at it more from the traditional survival horror okay, point of view yeah. where there's more of a tension build up and a release and, and yeah and limited that kind of resources thing. suspense yeah. jump scares all that kind of stuff yeah yeah but actually yeah you think about even though things... i try to tell everybody that there's no such thing as survival yeah horror. I, no i agree it's like the same way as uh, a lot of modern film critics say you know there's no such superhero movie is not a genre you superheroes yeah. are the characters you have different genre movies within yeah. superhero movies um, yeah, yeah because I, you can then you can say fear is a is a horror game even though it's a wildly different Course, yeah. um, game genre than than Resident Evil is. Well, and what about Grab by the Ghoulies? You know, that's yeah. uh, that's fun horror. Um, yeah, yeah. It's not Ghosts and Goblins. Yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you actually think about some of the moment to moment things that happen in the cutscenes and in the game. People's heads burst open and giant, you know, monstrosities made of spikes and flesh fly out of people's heads. Dogs split in half. Yeah, that that mm. you t- you mentioned that before. The dog splitting in half was just like straight really out the thing. Upsetting. And, uh, the thing, yeah. I mean, that is probably the closest touchstone for this in many ways. Uh, in uh, John Carpenter version of the thing we should say the remake yeah. of the thing from another planet or the thing from outer space whichever it's called um in that it's also uh it doesn't have many you know that many maybe sympathetic characters in it and it doesn't have many jump scares in it but the stuff that happens before your eyes is you know truly you know yeah like pure full-blown visceral body horror yeah yeah. yeah, and it does it does retain some of the elements of survival horror that has always been was in the Resident Evil series right at the beginning because of the whole um, the fact that your inventory is still very small mm. and the fact that you actually have to arrange it in real time with things chasing after you sort of yeah. adds to the um, suspense and the the real feeling that you have to survive when there are enemies coming at you from left, right, and center. Mm. Yeah, this was the same same year as demon souls wasn't it and i know that wasn't the first game to do that but it was this was probably a game that i played before demon souls that didn't let you pause when you were fiddling around with your inventory yeah reprobate gamer from the forum says it's very definitely not a survival horror we use the term survival action whereas i would use the term action horror 
uh, female pheromones again says people were expecting a lot from resident evil 5 after the reboot that was resident evil 4 but capcom decided to go even more towards an action game and all but leave behind their horror roots come to think of it now i'm not sure i can remember any parts of the game that were particularly scary there is one section in the mines where you need to carry a light to see where you're going which means not being able to use a weapon or there is the option for your partner to carry the light which means they can't help you with combat. But I would say that was more unnerving than it was scary. A lot of that goes for uh, Resident Evil 4 as well, I feel. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that was, yeah, that was where the, the series started to step away. And, and there's certainly been some comments on our forum where uh, for some people, even though many people consider Resident Evil 4 a masterpiece, uh, that was actually where the series started to lose its way because it was no longer uh, a creepy creepy horror uh mm. in that in that way in a, a different kind of tension that section where you mm. carry the light mm. in the mine is is a standout in this game mm. it is i mean just like the the suffocating blackness of that cave you know it's like it's really dark in a way that i feel like games don't do very often and dark, that is yeah. that is quite a scary just place. red lights mm. uh and yeah there's a couple of triggers where when when the uh, the magini see you in this they immediately start sprinting at you uh, whereas uh yeah. in other circumstances they you know they might sort of slowly turn towards you and start uh and start making their way over uh, yeah, so we've already kind of mentioned that the controls and combat are really quite similar to the previous game in the series. Uh, other gameplay changes that are probably worth mentioning. Um, this is the first time you've got an on-screen map, which, which also has GPS, so you can constantly see where you are in relation to everything else, um, which, again, is a huge kind of fundamental change from the earliest entries in the series where you had to find a map first and then even when you had the map you could just it would only tell you in which room you were located not even which way you were facing or, or anything like that mm. so so getting lost is a thing of the past um yeah, why... that on-screen map with gps is invaluable for co-op to just you know especially yeah. when you split just trying to find mm. your partner mm. Yes, yeah. although you've still got the, uh, again, Gears of War-esque function to pull a trigger yeah. and, and locate them kind of by the as the crow flies with the camera pointing straight towards them. Mm. Um, you've got still got a limited in inventory. Both characters have nine slots uh, at a time that they can carry with them. But as we say, it's managed on the fly um, without pause. Uh, gone is the Tetris uh, attache case fun of Resident Evil 4, if you enjoyed that. And perhaps one of the biggest changes and, and most controversial in some ways is that, um, the, yeah, I mean, the merchant's gone after one game, the, the people, the beloved oh. merchant from Resi 4. And now just without real justification in kind of uh, ludological terms, between levels, you just kind of stop and play around in a set of menus. Um, and f for me, while I don't actually... I don't hate doing that. I, I quite enjoy the actual mechanics of moving items around, selling them, upgrading guns. As a as an anti-immersion tool, I'd say it's quite effective. It takes me right out. Yeah. And it, it's very... It really breaks with, with the Resident Evil series traditions mm. almost more than anything because there was always some sort of in-game explanation of why you would get weapons and ammo and... Isn't it, there were never it was just never some sort of buying menu in the yeah, game. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It feels yeah, like a yeah, bit of I'll, a compromise. 
I'll I'll go one step beyond you, Leon. I hate it. I really okay. <laughs> I really hate it. Mm. Um, I I think the the inventory being limited, I know is is classic, but in this, I think it's so limited mm. to get you to uh, cooperate with your partner. Yeah. But if you're playing with an AI, I think we all know that they can't be trusted with most things, <laughs> which means that like you have to you know give them a bunch of useless things that you want to have anyway, while you kind of carry around everything useful. Um, you know, I think the, the, the merchant being taken out is a huge loss of personality. And because of that, I feel like I don't understand what any of the guns are or, you know, the real differences between them. Cause yeah. you can't even see flavor text. Mm. Um, and finally, and this, this sounds nitpicky, but it's a huge deal for me. Mm. It is impossible to start fresh in this game. Yes. You cannot remove your inventory, mm. which means that you can only have one clean playthrough of the game unless you completely delete your your you know your entire game. Mm. It's it's <laughs> it's baffling that I can't just like start out not having a handgun that holds a hundred bullets. <laughs> and it's really I mean, I think it's because they wanted people to play online and kind of jump between levels and stuff yeah. but it really kills the experience for me huh, that's really interesting i actually love the fact that i mean you know there should be an option there to clear a clear a space for sure but actually one of the things that i like most about resident evil 5 is the sort of endless looping and replaying and building up and building up and um and it seems judging by some of the people you still bump into online that people are still kind of going round and round and round and round and round um on this kind of endless new game plus you can actually stow uh, stow your uh, inventory in some sort of a sub inventory, right? So that you well, yes, but then it's it's just kind of like there still. Yeah. You know, you'll never run out of money. Um, yeah. And and I also I do find it. Uh, <laughs> I do really like this game, but I, um, you know when when you're playing through and people come in who have been playing it for years. Again, all the tension is gone. It's it's really hard to have a survival horror experience when you know that your partner has all the ammo they could ever need and every upgraded gun. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, well, we'll talk about the co-op, but obviously everything, because it was obviously they decided to go so big on this. And, and we've seen, even going back to the first game, there's that little section where Chris and Jill are together. Uh, if If you go if you go back and get whoever's there um there's always been little bits of either switching characters or or working together resident evil 0 is loads of two player and it's it's kind of odd that they it's like they were always working towards this um yeah. obviously resident evil 2 you've got the inter interchanging um scenarios with the two characters uh, less actual co-op play yeah. um, and there are small bits where you control sherry that's and right yeah. yeah um yeah one of the things there's there's quite a few things about this game that I read criticisms of fairly regularly and have done for the nine years since it came out. But um, yeah, obviously the, the the co-op nature of it actually detracting from what Resident Evil was. It's not only just in the game, the fact that having somebody there is less scary or having to manage an AI partner because there's no option to completely get rid of them. But it's also that all these trappings and hangings around it, like this between level stuff, this is kind of, it's had to change to accommodate the, the two player situation. Mm. When people suggest that, like the thing is, the, there's been that recent reopening, like, fans have put together a new server for Resident Evil Outbreak. 
So I feel mm. like there is a real <laughs> thirst for people to um, play multiplayer Resident Evil and to solve puzzles yeah. and to work together. But then mm. there's, a, there's another side of the fandom that just really doesn't doesn't like yes. that development. Yeah. yeah. Reprobate Gamer from the forum says, the loss of the merchant and the Resident Evil 4 inventory system takes something away from the game. It feels like a decision based on trying to uh, trying to refer back to the deliberately limiting inventory system of the classic games. The redeeming feature is that it is quick to use. I do like being able to reload whilst climbing and makes some use for a co-op enabled game. But I remain perplexed that armor is an inventory slot item. Yeah, so you can buy a melee vest and bulletproof vest. Um, but if you want to use them you basically have to give up uh two of mm -hmm. your precious nine item slots i would like to talk about just the specifics of the controls and the combat a little bit that's what we're uh, gonna before do we, before we move on no absolutely uh yeah it ties in with uh the fact that the game retains the invisible adaptive difficulty that blew sean's mind in the last podcast because he knew <laughs> about it um yeah so we've still got that system going on the better you do the harder it gets and vice versa um so yeah what i would say to open this up is that uh i think for the most part it's very similar it keeps the absolute core uh, control system and enemy system from the much vaunted predecessor on the whole resident evil 5 comes off a lot less balanced and refined than resident evil 4 in, in the, in the long run how does that yeah how does that manifest i think when uh resident evil 5 came out we've had you know, the sort of successors, uh, Gears of War 1 and 2 mm. and uh, Dead Space. Yes. And in so many ways, Resident Evil 5 uh, is trying to outdo everything just with the enormous crowds of hostiles that you're facing mm. in this game. And the enormous, enormous crowds of enemies. But I think they got it just right in Resident Evil 4 where, you you know, you, you stop the, the stopping and aiming and turning, turning around... You're basically ro rotating on the spot to uh, to yeah. to shift direction, uh, because that game had been expressly designed around uh, the, the controls and the mechanics. But when you get swarmed in this game, it's really stupid just how much you can get blindsided by yeah. people running up from behind you from the side and just hitting you out of nowhere with uh, with melee weapons. And don't even get me started on at one point you get you face. Uh, Magini with guns, uh, that, you know, just yeah. machine guns and uh, and everything. So I think it it kind of kind of lost the plot there with yeah. uh, with Resident Evil Five. I think I think the whole crowding thing was deliberate because they thought, like I talked about this a little bit on Slack, that this is um, Capcom had had a history of um, cramming as many zombies as possible on screen mm -hmm. with Dead Rising. Yeah. And the way that they implemented that in Resident Evil 5 was to crowd you and create this feeling of claustrophobia. But the problem is once you've played the game once and you've got used to that, it's less scary and more annoying. Like when you're trying to throw people off constantly and, and wiggling the um, analog stick to free, free yourself, it just gets really frustrating after a while. Yeah. And you just um, got to get hit with a ton of stuff that you can't see coming. Mm, yeah. I'll be I'll be a positive mm. voice here. I I really think it's exceptional. Actually, I think that it um it makes a number of advancements from four oh. that I really enjoy. Just because um the way the way that I play this, which I think is the way that most people play, is is 
you know, conserving ammo by doing all of the contact sensitive kind of like shoot him in the head, then run up and punch yeah, yeah, yeah. and whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the way they've expanded on that by having like many different moves for the characters and being able to kind of like chain off Team your partner mm-hmm. and, and do those things. And, and even just as simply as, you know, it's like if you played four, you knew that you shot someone, you knocked them down and then you knifed them. But now there's actually a, you know, there's a stomp or a, a stab or something when they're on the ground. So you can kind of, the knifing always felt silly and it felt kind of like it, it brought yeah, yeah. the game to a halt. And so this is a more, in-universe explanation although they're not always finishes of course but yeah 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 but you get them on the ground and just that i mean the the kind of satisfaction of nailing that combo of shoot punch you know hopefully knock a bunch of people back because you are swarmed a lot and and kind of rinse and repeat is is simple but it's just infinitely satisfying to me Mm -hmm. i mean that's that's kind of why i keep coming back to this game is because that just feels so good to perform and i think the yeah the 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 set of enemies uh good at uh and 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 the level designs although again you know maybe the locations aren't quite as memorable as 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 the as the previous game or games maybe in some cases there's quite a lot of sort of uh generic areas factories and villages and whatever else that perhaps don't stand out in themselves but they're quite you know they seem to be quite well decked out to be combat arenas and i certainly find that um a lot of them find themselves back in a mercenaries mode as well yeah i I end up finding that modified yeah. In modified form, yeah. I, yeah. I I end up managing the space by, uh, you know, similar ways to, to four. And ultimately, yeah, my compulsion to continue playing this game is is based around this uh, this surprisingly satisfying and, and tactile combat uh, involves uh, clearing a path, then running, getting somewhere where you're pretty sure you're safe from behind, you know, mm. back, back against something so that you can't you can't easily be surrounded and hit um and it's a case of timing your your bursts um around the arena but it is it is it does feel a little stilted and odd even even then as you say we were uh we were a couple of years after gears of war we were mm. a few months after dead space um and so i was already i'd already become used to being able to move and fire you know as uh, yeah. as much as i still loved resi 4 at this point um, and i'm not i'm not a i don't i'm not against having to stop and fire in a game at all in in a sense it kind of makes more sense as well it makes uh encounters more tense but you know usually you don't run around while firing your gun i guess in a <laughs> in a real world setting I mean, it's pretty pretty hard to get good aim that way. You've only got one American on the panel. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, in all my experience, <laughs> running and shooting guns. Yeah. yeah, something I imagine, at least. But, um, yeah, it's just like you get crowded so much and then there's, like, people in turrets constantly firing rockets at you and all sorts of uh, nastiness going on that I feel like in this scenario i would have uh, loved to see a little bit more of a flexibility in the controls and uh and the core mechanics yeah it was almost it almost felt like as they were going this far with the with the game and change you know kind of changing up the genre to this more action-oriented co-op thing um did they really need to stick with the with the old locked in place combat yeah. uh we've had 
serious qualms with some bosses in in previous games uh, some extremely frustrating moments um i find most of the bosses in in this game actually quite entertaining uh yeah i think they're 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 a surprisingly fun bunch of uh, of encounters um certain amount of spectacle without ever being oh my gosh that's the most amazing thing i've ever seen um yeah. but they're actually yeah up until and not including uh wesker related fights which i'm not i'm not so into um monster monster bosses are i think are a good laugh in this game i wasn't a big <laughs> fan of the first um uh, a rubberous um encounter the one where exceller is ah. like we made this thing now mm. you have to fight it because it felt like at least today when i replayed it that the answer like i, I felt like me and my co-op partner were doing something wrong but when mm-hmm. i i read yeah. the um read the instructions on how to do it it was yeah. just pump bullets into it it takes a heck of a lot of damage that thing yeah, yeah. i didn't yeah. like that at all i thought i was doing something wrong and it started to get pretty boring actually I had the same actually i thought it had bugged out even though i've completed it before playing it the other day i thought the game had bugged out because it was taking so much damage and i was all out mm. of ammo pretty much i was like something's broken yeah. here but no it's that similar here yeah yeah you need to you need to use a flamethrower at a certain point, I guess. Yeah, to we just it... kept kept flaming it, and it just kept regenerating after that. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a bit of a spike that one. I also thought the uh, the bearded cave troll boss was uh, <laughs> I don't know very un- uninspired. Well, this and, yeah uh, couldn't was, help but shake my head at that. This moment. is almost um, yeah I suppose a side category is because this follows on from the turret section. Um, yeah, which I think visually still is okay. I mean, I think it's been eclipsed by things like Uncharted and stuff as as on rail sections go. But but it was just again this. I think this was the moment that again the game lost some Resident Evil fans. It's like you're you're firing out the back of a Humvee with a with a, <laughs> with a gun emplacement against hundreds of motorcycling zombies. Not that they're zombies, I know. <laughs> um, and it's just when you're yeah, it feels like something out of Call of Duty rather than. Uh, no, no, and it felt even more silly that you had to shoot the bottom of the giant's foot to to stop it from Ow. stomping you. Yeah. It was it's like that that really didn't hold water for me. I don't actually mind yeah. that the that part of the uh of the the fight, but um yeah, it it is a bit it is all a bit ludicrous. Yeah. Also with um with the big the big sea monstery thing later in the game, um it's a turret section, but yeah, and true. this is getting into the the partner AI. Sheva won't get on a turret unless you tell her to, nope. which is Oh, oh, oh boy, Sheva! I've got a, got a lot of feelings toward her, but um, <laughs> you know, it's the fact the fact that she'll just kind of stand there shooting with a pistol in what's clearly supposed to be a turret section is is quite infuriating. And how do you feel about that final boss in the volcano? Not a fan. It was okay. I mean, um, once you knew what to do. Um, it was fairly straightforward and I think to be honest even if you didn't actually I had to look at what to do but I think even if I hadn't I would have figured it out eventually and it's fairly short as well it felt a little bit anticlimactic to be honest I think they were more interested in some sort of grandiose finale for yeah. uh, for Albert Wesker yes. than mm. an, a really in, a really fun or interesting final boss fight um, yeah so, I, I yeah. also thought it just just with the inventory management, it was like I was playing this with kind of an online partner. We died. 
we both went in, just got our magnums and a ton of bullets, and then just and just blasted through them in like thirty seconds after that. Mm. And and it just felt so odd, mm. you know. It was mm. like, oh, we we're you know by the seat of our pants, and we just didn't have enough ammo, and we didn't make it through. And then we just went to this, you know, kind of outside room. You know, it's like in the Matrix when they get all the guns, and yeah. and like then we just came back and blasted yeah. him to hell. Yeah, uh, that's exactly. That's what actually I was very fitting considering my, uh, considering Wesker's de- designing behavior in this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very true. <laughs> Co-ops. Then yes, Joshi Hatsumitsu says I liked Resident Evil Five more than Four. The thing is, I had more fun with the fifth game. I will agree that the fifth game is the least Resident Evil-y of the Resident Evil games, but that's not necessarily a negative thing. Here's the thing. I actually finished the fifth game. I gave up on the fourth game, not when I had to start babysitting Ashley, but when I had to babysit Ashley in the castle. In Resident Evil 5, I could at least make my AI partner useful. It helps if you don't give her items that she'll waste, like ammunition or healing items. She tends to get a bit carried away. And you can instruct her to go and stand in the corner, and she mostly will. Basically, the babysitting in the fifth game is much easier to manage. Your partner is pretty much a backpack for items you don't use a lot, but may come in handy later. Online, um, yeah, I've found that uh, I can still uh, get a game on PC on throughout the campaign. Jacob was saying earlier that it's harder to get uh, to find random partners for the DLC, which makes sense. But even on PS3, I had no yeah. problems at all. Um, which is, yes, yeah, it's surprising, but there's people still going round and round the clock. And um, yeah, some of them are fully suited and booted and they've got everything, but not all of them are. So mm. it doesn't always make it a complete cakewalk. Um, yeah. And the actual, with the in-game communication systems are, are very simple, but quite effective, I found in, in terms of, you know, it's... It, I, yeah i made progress with with these random people may have been the most awful people in the world in real life but i wasn't talking to them um yeah. and you know we were saying come on and swapping uh items when we needed to make room in our inventory and it was all working very nicely yeah did you um so you didn't use any voice chat no god no so i linked up with Daniel and i i used uh the old uh you know, little little one ear headset that came with the yeah, but you were playing with, with a my friend. original 360. Or a, exactly, uh, an yeah. acquaintance at least. Yes, so, that was that was kind of fun. Uh, me and him had a very different playstyle. He he had put in two hundred hours uh, in the game, and he he was kind of playing the main game as well as if it was the mercen- mm. mercenary. So chaining a lot of melee kills together to keep keep the kill combo going, uh, so to speak. For all of my problems with the AI, th- those are problems because. Every scenario in this is designed for you and your partner to be able to work together. And I feel like even now, that's pretty uncommon other than what was that like a way out that came out, you know, the kind of jailbreak game. It's like it's this this could not easily be made a single player game without a partner. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ado Potato from the forum says Resident Evil 5 still holds fond memories for me as it was the first time I'd taken my gaming online. I played through the whole campaign and sank many happy hours into mercenaries with a friend. I seem to recall among the general controversy that greeted the game on its release, many voices criticizing how crummy your AI partner was. This obviously was something I didn't have to worry about. This will always be a two player only game in my mind and that along with various other liberties the designers took with the existing framework means that it doesn't particularly feel like a Resident Evil game but that didn't stop it from being an extremely handsome and highly enjoyable one Simon Sloth says when Resident Evil 5 arrived I was living and working a long distance away from home in hospital staff accommodation 
of a questionable standard. In my tiny room was a huge television with a PS3 attached, and I bonded with one of my flatmates over cooperative games. Resident Evil 5 was a highlight. It's probably the most story light in the series, but in co-op this works in its favour, and with its action-focused approach, the bombast creates real punch-in-the-air moments. Or indeed, punch-the-air moments. Outside of this context, the game doesn't have the same impact. Played solo, your AI partner often is more of a hindrance than a help, particularly during the boss battles or more tricky encounters. With this in mind, I attempted to play online when replaying the game recently, which surprisingly still has an incredibly active community. Obviously, all the players have fully upgraded weapons, know every level in and out, and have little time for those less competent. Perhaps I am unlucky and I apologise for painting with such a broad brush, but whilst playing I encountered probably the worst example of, of cooperative partners. Highlights, or should I say lowlights, include repeatedly shooting me with a rocket launcher, waiting for a moment where I would be grabbed by an enemy and then spinning round in circles waiting for me to die, deliberately failing quick time events, and laughing. I'm sure all of this sounds funny, and it was at first, but the f uh, the joke became a little tiresome tenth time around. Each time I pressed restart, I thought, Haha, that's enough now, but my partner had other ideas. <laughs> Eventually, I did, some, did find some excellent co-op partners who were patient and willing to share their resources and expertise with me. This made the game far more enjoyable to play and enhanced the experience greatly. Overall, I'd say this game highly depends on who you are playing with, and unless you have someone on the couch beside you, the likelihood of finding someone vaguely tolerable online is, in my experience, very unlikely. It doesn't feel much like a Resident Evil game, more like a Gears of War with inferior voice acting and mechanics. Uh, yeah, that uh, doesn't feel much like a Resident Evil game is, is becoming a bit of a refrain. I should say, though, that my experience with online randoms is far better than... Uh, than that perhaps i've been lucky than simon luckier than simon yeah and and a lot of them would would stick with you for a very long time totally. at least i found yeah. you know i i played through like i don't know the last five chapters of the game with one person yeah. and it was really by the end i felt felt very close it's to like that journey person, you know <laughs> it was as emotional yeah. as journey wasn't it uh, split screen as well. Uh, that's an option in the game. I don't know how much it uh, brings the frame rate down on on the console versions, the older console versions. But Andy CT says at the time Resident Evil 5 was released, I was living and working abroad in South Korea. Given that the move was quite a large one, the main comfort I'd taken with me from home in the UK had of course been my Xbox 360. And during the year or so I was over there, I'd continue to order games I wanted to play and have them delivered to my family in the UK, who would periodically ship me out a care package of new games, Marmite, Cadbury's chocolate and tea bags. Resident Evil 5 was one of a few co-op experiences that gradually coaxed one of my housemates, a teacher, punk band frontman and lapsed gamer back into playing games again. As the weeks following the game's arrival passed, we found that we both finished it individually and as a co-op pair, but rather than moving on, both had been compelled to replay levels in attempts to top each other's rankings and race to acquire unlimited ammo for more weapons by grinding out treasure runs arcade style. Uh, yeah, you can absolutely... Uh, there's a whole swathe of categories for which you're marked uh, you're ranked for your performance on every single stage of every chapter and there are separate scores for each of the three difficulty settings as well so if you want to s rank everything uh, it'll take you a while um so puzzles now we've we've had a laugh about resident evil puzzles in the past and how many of them are do you want to progress? Press A to progress in-game. Uh, so occasionally it will ask you to do something slightly more complicated, like work out a simple formula where the answer's written up on the walls. Um, 
it's had a few moments where you've had to spend a little bit, bit more time doing anything. Um, pretty much anything that you could really call a puzzle has been stripped out of Resident Evil 5. Is there anything mm. other than cooperative I, device wrangling? Could you call anything a puzzle in this game? I wouldn't say an actual puzzle, but the wetlands is one of the few sections that feels more non-linear when you're you're steering your boat uh, from little hut area to hut area. Yeah, right. Yeah. Collect these items before you slot them into a larger, uh, yeah, like a door kind of thing. It's a little bit feels a little bit more traditional Resident Evil than the rest of the game. And I suppose the underground temple bit with the with the fire lasers felt a little bit like oh, yeah. Uncharted or something like that. Mm. Um, staircases. I, I like that. That yeah. was really that was really out of left field. It was yeah. cool to like those lasers have a very cool kind of quiet sound effect, which is unexpected. Yeah. Mm. It was it was a neat section. Hmm. Uh, anything out? Any other uh, non-combat sections stand out? That seems like the 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 one piece of downtime hiatus in the game probably that, that bit that we do we do have qtes up there yes um there is nothing more embarrassing than playing with a partner online <laughs> and repeatedly failing a QTE, <laughs> yeah. which, which i did several times and yeah. there's nothing more frustrating than you being the one who's succeeding at the QTE and your partner's yep. failing yeah i was on both um, sides of that can we just not have cutscene qtes or you know or just yeah oh i mean qtes are variable i don't think there's is it's not a case of they should be you know banned from all video games or anything i wouldn't advocate that they're pretty good in the wonderful 101 right um yeah there's certainly (laughs) they have their moments they have their place but um this game this game just keeps retains the cuties and cutscenes thing from the last game which is probably my least favorite aspect of resident evil 4 um yeah, and they're they're so unexpected. I mean, mm. they really seem to come out of nowhere. And they change the button and... prompts up so that you can't just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on on the keyboard, it's like press E and V Ooh. at the same time, and it's like I don't know how to make my fingers do <laughs> don't that. Play on the keyboard. What are you doing? <laughs> they, they don't give you it depends on where they are but some of them don't give you much time to react and if you fail them then you have to sit through quite a, a yep. long stretch of i think the um where you're fighting with wesker in the in the plane um mm-hmm. if you fail um, the last one and let yep. go of shiver's hand you have to listen to everything over again well you can skip those bits. you can skip can little bits oh, yeah okay. select with button the, with the back button or select button yeah, yeah. Oh, okay but it's so we... you still have to watch a fair amount of it yeah mm-hmm. uh, yeah i also i had some issues with uh the qtes let's say the real-time qtes during the uh wesker fights where sometimes if you had just move moved you wouldn't get a, a button prompt to oh. dodge one of his, uh, yeah. his moves and still get, mm. still get hit that sort of thing you know yeah glitchy stuff because it was not it's not entirely cutscene or scripted it's just like yeah and QTE prompts in the middle of a of a real-time battle and even in hd four years on from resident evil 4 we're still looking for big fat text and button prompts in the screen instead of some kind of on-screen indicator to do a melee move or a qte um <laughs> shabby mm. Uh, yeah, really quite quite backwards. I thought that was. Uh, moving right along, you can unlock stuff in the traditional fashion. Probably the most interesting thing for fans is, even though this game put a lot of fans off, you can actually unlock a uh, a complete history of Resident Evil, detailing seventy years of backstory. If that's your thing, um, obviously you don't need to play the game; it's out there now. But um, now there's some costumes. Um, one of them is Chris in a 
a kind of all armor thing with a gatling gun and a backpack that's that's pretty nuts uh one of them <laughs> is uh chris in a sort of hair uh, like a kind of i don't know what he's supposed to be a, the the road warrior type yeah of the, uh, yeah outfit? yeah sort of spiky yeah. leather kind of yeah. thing going on and then over on <laughs> sheva's side you've got her businesswoman look uh her businesswoman look happens to have a mini skirt uh and then there's the uh probably the most controversial aspect to the game because it manages arguably to be both racist and sexist at the same time <laughs> <laughs> the tribal outfit oh no. i hate that oh it's awful do you what about maybe you prefer her sexy little red riding hood with the uh knee-high boots and uh thigh-length stockings it's just definitely more tasteful it's also <laughs> awful and also unnecessary because you she's just like i saw a joke on twitter earlier about how people being used to armor on women being like a small like sports bra type thing and it's just like there's no reason for it like she's a she's a, a soldier or like a i don't know what you describe sheva's job but it's 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 just uh, I just don't like it. <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean that that tribal one specifically. Mm. You know, it's worth pointing out that there's there's racism and sexism, and then there is the intersection. And and very often you have um you know where where men are referred to as as savages and killed, women are referred to as savages and then are sexually conquered. And and so it's just especially gross yeah. to have this like sexy kind of primitive it's just ugh, it's it is incredibly poor taste mm. and, and and yet it's still not as offensive as the uh the white tiger skin suit that chris wears and that's just on fashion crimes alone <laughs> <laughs> no it is more offensive I, i'm not being serious uh, there's a versus mode which i'd completely forgotten about um, I don't know if you can still get a game of this because I had absolutely no interest in trying. Um, Female Pheromones, though, says Remake is my favourite Resident Evil. Resident Evil 4 is the one I played more times from start to finish, but I probably have more hours played on Resident Evil 5 than any other Resident Evil simply because of the versus mode and the fact that you could play the whole game in co-op. So it found an audience. Um, did anyone investigate this? I mean, when I looked yesterday, it was greyed out in my copy, so I don't know what you had to get to unlock it. Were you, were you offline? Um, no, I don't know. Weird. Okay. Yeah. Um, maybe you do have to... Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, the Mercenaries Returns, as does the... Uh, you can unlock the extra, the Mercenaries Reunion. Um, if you have Lost in Nightmare uh, or the gold version, you get Barry and Rebecca in that as well, some extra moves. Uh, K-Sub-Zero on the Mercenaries again. Because uh, that's his forte, says the mercenaries in Resident Evil 5 is a difficult one to judge for me. It is widely considered to be the mode's best iteration within the dedicated Mercs community, but I happen to disagree with that particular consensus for two main reasons. First, the issues tied to the enemy AI being built around cooperative play in the main game are even more noticeable in a mode where every second counts and a cheap hit occurring at, at an inopportune moment can easily ruin an otherwise stellar run. And that's without even mentioning the stationary enemies that are obviously meant to be dealt with by your potentially non-existent partner. 
Second, the focus on melee-induced time bonuses is affecting the entire metagame, prioritizing exploitation of hitboxes and invulnerability frames, de-emphasizing the importance of the combo meter, and disincentivizing the use of the combo chests and the majority of the heavy-hitting weapons, all of which creates an end result that is somewhat too clinical and repetitive for my liking. In short, it's still a great mode based on an incredibly addictive core concept with a wonderfully high skill ceiling, but I find its high-level metagame to be rather frustrating when playing solo and I usually opt for the iterations in either four or six whenever I revisit it. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, me, me and Camille played, uh, played it yesterday, the, the regular um, mercenaries mode and the reunion. And I also noticed that it has some really egregious spawning issues, uh, at least the main uh, or the, the regular mercenaries mode does, where you, you, you cleared out a corridor on a map and you're shoot, shooting enemies that are ahead of you and just they must have spawned right behind you, you know, new enemies, all, like all of a sudden you get hit out of nowhere again. It's really, really annoying. We had more fun with uh, the reunion version, which has a little bit of a different, I think the the emphasis in uh, reunion is more on the actual, uh, you know, tr trying to keep the actual combo meter going. Uh, and, le and less on getting the time extensions and yeah it, it, we actually managed a, a complete mercenaries run in that one where we constantly failed in the original uh, mercenaries okay jacob now i um yeah i so i haven't put 200 hours in like uh camille has but i i adore this mercenaries mode i think it is so fun um Part of it is because it's the one part of the game where you don't have to worry about an AI partner, um, so you can just kind of express yourself freely. Um, but but just, I mean, the number of different characters they have and the detail in them all having different melee moves and different weapons, often like very different weapons, um, and just kind of playing around with all of them. I mean, they're not... They're not balanced. Like we playing as Wesker is the most incredible power trip because his his kind of standard context action is a punch that knocks them back like thirty feet. Um, but but it's just it is so fun to just you know keep playing and racking up high scores and kind of get in that rhythm, not letting your combo drop. Um, it is it is the most addictive score chasing mm. mode I've found in a game pretty much. And, mm. and I think, you know, I haven't, I haven't put in that much hours. So I don't, you know, maybe, maybe the, the issues that Camille mentioned would present themselves if I played more, but just for my money, it's, it's just so fun because it's just that core gameplay that I like yeah, so much. Plenty of fans out there. As, as it really said. seems like it's a matter of taste as well, because yeah, a lot of the, as he stated, a lot of the community actually really prefers uh, mm. the Resident Evil Five Mercenaries. Yeah, but it. I was also just reminded of how why I never really clicked as much uh, with Mercenaries as I would have wanted it to, because I love. Uh, high scoring, uh, high score chasing games and arcade games and uh, and the likes, but in my mind, Resident Evil as a series has never been an all out combat game, and this game has come the closest up until now. You know the the control schemes 
being uh being an uh, the, the prime example of that and there's just you know if i would want to play a game like the mercenaries i'd prefer vanquish controls instead you know like dashing between enemies like at max speed and like really intuitive turn on a dime uh super responsive super speedy uh, controls i would i would want to have the the 3D action game equivalent of something like uh, like a bullet hell shooter like the Don't Punch, where you're also chaining enemy kills together. You know, something that's just like where you don't even think about the controls anymore. Where a, a high level technique of uh, going into your menu to reload while you're meleeing enemies just seems incredibly counterintuitive and finicky to me, uh, rather than an extension of your uh, like something that is really satisfyingly mapped to your muscle memory in in my that's in, in my experience so it kind of reminded me that but i'm still not giving up on the mercenaries and uh, as camille suggested i'll probably go back to uh, the mercenaries in resident evil 4 and give that a fair shake to see if that gels better with me but it's just i guess it's a core principle kind of thing where it just it always feels at odds with me like playing score chasing with resident evil uh with resident evil mechanics mm. Um, I should also mention on the on the PC and I think the PS4 and Xbox One things, there's this mode called No Mercy in the Mercenaries, which just um, if anyone's played the Devil May Cry 4, it has that uh, the new one has that mode called Legendary Dark Knight. And this is basically it where it's just the the number of characters on screen are pushed to an insane yeah. level kind of <laughs> well, because of your hardware style, on the on the wiki. It says there can be around 40 enemies on the stage at wow. once, which are mainly like like all around you seemingly. Yeah. Um, it says the first mini boss will spawn as normal, but after that, the amount of boss enemies that spawn will be doubled. Um, it's, it is like, it is so hard to make it through even a single stage of it, but it does feel, <laughs> it's it feels incredible when you do because you're just swarmed the whole time. And so that's a, that's a fun little mm. bonus. <laughs> So a couple of DLC episodes, uh, which were bundled in with gold as well. Uh, Lost in Nightmares uh, tells the uh, flashback story of uh, Chris and Jill going after uh, Wesker at the Oswald. In a replica of the Spencer Mansion. Yeah, something of a replica. Um, ends up uh, after, it's a little bit, it's a little less enemy focused and a bit more uh slightly more puzzly but not really um i actually quite enjoyed this um partly for the nostalgia but partly because uh i enjoyed the bit under the mansion going downstairs there's this uh, new enemy which has this kind of stinky sack and there was quite a yeah. cool <laughs> audio cue uh, on it appearing um it sort of op- uh, serves as a kind of one of those enemies that uh, follows you around you can take them down yeah. um but it kind of very deliberately uh, follows you around these looping areas, uh, can smash through walls and jump over gaps and things. And I actually, yeah, I thought it was actually quite fun. Um, I had to kind of do that whole thing twice because um, it didn't save when I quit out. So, uh, but I didn't mind. I ended up getting S rank on, on everything. So yeah, I I, I, I actually got that. That that was was good. Trying to lure it under those, uh, those floors with the spikes under them. Yeah. But I I found this I found Lost in Nightmares I had uh, expected a lot more of it mm. uh, I found it so it's quite anticlimactic slight. yeah there's yeah, there's very, really not much very, to it no there's not much to it and then the Wesker fight is kind of a repeat from the main game like where you fight Wesker only seemingly more annoying yes and you just can't yeah. you know you just yeah you just hold out basically until the game ends yeah 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 I, I was a little bit disappointed in mm. that. 
K-Sub-Zero says, Desperate Escape is decent enough, but personally, I'm not a fan of Lost in Nightmares whatsoever. All I can say is that it wouldn't surprise me if it's horrendous enemy design uh, slash variety and heavily signposted puzzles in inverted commas might very well have paved the way for the one uh, or the other controversial development in the future of the franchise. Uh, I didn't mm. dislike it nearly as much as, as Camille did. Uh, Repro Reprobate Gamer says, The DLC episodes I found to be very lacklustre. Lost in Nightmares tries to combine the survival horror aesthetic with nemesis enemy pursuit and just can't make it work. Meanwhile, Desperate Escape wants so hard to be left for dead it's almost painful. Both episodes have their place in the lore, but even with me being a sucker for this kind of alternate, uh, alternative viewpoint, we would be unlikely to come back to either of them. Yeah, I also yeah. just played through... Uh, Desperate Escape the once uh, is pretty much just uh, uh, balls out, full blown action. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's it's yeah. It was it, Does, it was a pleasant enough way to spend forty five minutes or whatever. But the section with the with all the missiles coming from uh, from all angles just like did me in. Yeah, it's probably better. I played that in AI. I didn't I didn't try to uh, entice anyone in. So um, yeah, it probably wasn't probably was more fun with another human but um yeah i actually preferred lost yeah. in nightmares personally but there they are they're part of your package mm. if you get it now uh brazenhead89 from the forum says my enduring memory of resident evil 5 is of comedy side-splitting thigh-slapping comedy and whilst that's not high praise for what's ostensibly a horror series it does make resident evil 5 an absolute riot with the right friends in single player, Five is something of a middling experience. Sheva, when not getting annihilated by swarms of enemies, is running up to you and spraying healing kisses in your face like a drunk aunt at a wedding. Gone was the strangely satisfying Tetris-like management of the inventory system, and in came turret section mid-bosses. But co-op, good grief, co-op. It's absolutely the way this game demands to be played. The moment I stole a green herb from a friend and then somersaulted from a second-story window, cackling on my way down, the wacky precedent was set. In a game that climaxes with a man punching a boulder into a volcano using biceps wider than his own stupid head it pays to go into resi 5 with a friend giggling and guffawing at its campy b-movie charms there's even the opportunity for some utterly juvenile griefing find the end of a level and you can endlessly bellow at your companion to follow resulting in a glorious chorus of sheva i'm coming sheva i'm coming sheva i'm on my way sheva i'm coming but there's enough <laughs> ammo sharing and health spraying to prevent the game becoming pure farce but otherwise this is dumb stress-free fun i do consider resident evil 5 one of the weakest in the mainline series although unlike 6 i did finish it it's imperfect problematic and forever in the shadow of its classic predecessor furthermore however, however entertaining co-op is that's less to do with the game's design and more the company you keep there is some semi-ironic fun to be had but you need to get over a few hurdles and squeeze it out with the help of a friend first Rob25x says, I went into Resi 5 expecting not to like it, but it grew on me very quickly. Some sections were terrible, the zombies on motorbikes, for example, and that big ogre boss thing, but the majority of the game was quite good. The first time I did the game solo and had fun with it, the second time around I did it co-op and had a lot more fun. As others have said, it's in co-op this game really shines. Playing with a friend is the best way to enjoy it. And finally, K-Sub-Zero 
says, In the end, Resident Evil 5 is a heavily flawed game that simply doesn't live up to its own potential. It's not a complete dumpster fire like Resident Evil 6, nor a mechanical flyweight like the Revelations games. It does have a great combat engine, production values, and a hyper-memorable villain, but it's as a single-player game that tries so hard to improve upon its glorious predecessor, it will probably always remain the one that could have been for me. And considering I have rarely been as hyped for an upcoming entertainment product as I was for this one, counting the days until release, which I remember like it was yesterday, it still stings a little. Hmm. Fantastic stuff. We also have a good number of three-word reviews. Let's race through them together like partners. Gareth Burningham says, Sheva Tribal, really? Will Cross says, tone-deaf tedium. Colin Gerard says, much more racist. Fluff says, terror, actually racism. Ryan Scully says, two steps back. Gadget 8-Bit says, missed the mark. Reprobate Gamer says, don't like Reapers. Smeg and the Heads says, too much testosterone. Victor White says, Royd Rage Redfield. Mechner says, Wesker won't die. Shanstico says, best played co-op. And Female Pheromones says, great co-op game. Gramanis says, come on, Roger. Samtik, pass the ammunition. T-Bakers, need an egg. Vault 42 Overseer, stop healing me. Samantha Smith, tied up storyline. Nupraptor, uh, I can't do it. Complete global saturation. <laughs> <laughs> Awful. That was not my attempt to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> replicating this and then uh, we have a series f- all on the same theme continue <laughs> magical isopath chris punch boulder test tube 27 punch that rock uh wixo push that rock matt fantastic boulder punching simulator and then the ct boulder thumping action finally everybody <laughs> remembers the boulder uh, <laughs> so uh, I'll go first. I don't think I'm the most negative. I'm not sure uh, who, if any of us, is. Uh, it feels like we're all coming from a similar place. Um, but yes, I will. I think I'm the only one who played this at launch, contemporaneously. Um, and yeah, I was uh, I was a little I don't know if perturbed or dismayed is too strong, but um, I did feel um, that it was perhaps getting a lot of criticism as a game because of uh, its uh, dunderheaded uh, presentation and uh, the fact that it was moving further away from what's uh, quite a lot of people loved about the older Resident Evils because I actually had a great time with it back in 2009 uh, even playing most of it with the AI back then I learned how to micromanage Sheva and her quirks and foibles and got through the game and started replaying it and played some of it in co-op and enjoyed it all over again and got very hooked on that going round upgrading weapons is uh, is addictive in, in itself and going back into the level and seeing what damage you can do with your with your even more powerful shooters and then coming back to it my first playthrough on the pc uh i thought my opinion of the game had actually plummeted uh, for a little while i was so kind of appalled by the the story the dialogue the that cack-handed symbolism and imagery um and the fact that it was yeah just seemed this utterly yeah stupid game and it felt like the <laughs> stepping stone between one of my favorite games of all time resident evil 4 and 
really not one of my favourite games of all time, Resident Evil 6. It felt like the halfway to, to catastrophe. But then I found that I kept playing it and I kept playing it and I kept playing more levels and I kept going back in. And then I started playing it on the PS3 and I played some more in Carp and I played the DLC and I was still having a good time. Um, because when it comes down to it, even if there are mechanically more sophisticated games in a very similar genre like Gears of War and its sequels and Dead Space and its sequels, uh, the fundamental tenets of the moment to moment in Resident Evil 4 were amazing and they're pretty much carried over lock stock and uh and first aid kits here so uh yeah it's um it's an odd one and i understand why some people really hate it for both political and video game reasons but um it still gets a pass as a fun video game and people are still playing it that's the amazing thing online mm -hmm. you can still get a game it's uh, it's nearly 10 years old extraordinary uh, let's go with Jacob next. I think to to enjoy Resident Evil Five, you have to you have to have two things, and and one of those is the ability to get past what I think is some when it comes down to it, pretty appallingly racist imagery. I mean, there's there there is no way around it. It's you know playing playing the first levels of this game before I was kind of desensitized <laughs> <Yeah>. to it <laughs> made me made me feel queasy yeah. because of how just kind of how gross that is and it and it speaks to my privilege and my desensitization and everything that I am able to continue playing this and kind of see the game past that and I totally understand anyone who couldn't yeah. do that who had to stop there um, and the second thing you need is a friend <laughs> because uh, playing playing with the AI is is just not an enjoyable experience. And that was something that I struggled through for a lot of this playthrough. And when I was able to play with someone else, you know, my my situation improved considerably. Um, but I I've been I feel like I've been very negative through this whole podcast. But oh, didn't really what remains <laughs> what remains of this game is just just the most rock solid gameplay and i can't express enough how much i enjoy just this this style of stopping shooting managing crowds you know understanding your angles doing inventory management it's it's just if you're if you're someone like me and all of that clicks then then just the pure gameplay of this game is right up there with some of the most enjoyable in gaming so uh it comes with with a whole bunch of qualifications but at the end of the day i do very much enjoy resident evil 5 and it just sits in a very weird place in my library I seem to be the only person i've ever heard of who doesn't mind playing with the ai but, but there you go <laughs> uh Mikhail, how about you yeah, so I came into this game, as I said in the beginning, to investigate why it's not as celebrated as Resident Evil 4, even though it looks so similar on a surface level, uh, and why I, uh, yeah, I didn't really, I had trouble even buying it in the first place, and uh, and actually, you know, playing it properly, um, and I guess you know Jacob uh, has has mentioned a couple of things already. And um, there, it just bottom line. There, there are the issues with the. It has to be played with with two players at the same time, which is 
it doesn't have to be an issue if you don't want it to. I mean, it's fun to play with other people, in, in my book at least. Um, and yeah, more egregious for me is just the... I've, I've, a lot of times I felt uh, playing through this game, I felt like the controls, the traditional Resident Evil controls were holding me back. And I, that's something I can say for the older Resident Evil titles in many, in, in most cases. Um, crowding, bl being blindsided, projectile attacks all, all play into that. Um, but yet at the same time, is this not really a Resident Evil game? I feel like there's a lot to love regardless uh, about it. And there's a lot of Resident Evil in here. Just, you know, horrific imagery, body horror just a dumb a dumb story uh hemi hemi voice acting and more so than resident evil 4 resident evil 5 actually like uh said before ties into a lot yeah a lot of lore of the of the older series and you know it brings back wesker for a last grand performance <laughs> so yeah there's there's still a lot to enjoy there uh and i do have to agree with uh with jacob as well that the, me the mechanics and the meleeing itself is rather solid, if not, if never quite as intuitive for me as I would have, uh, as I would like it to be. But that's a that's a personal thing. From the beginning, I felt icky about uh, the game's visual mm -hmm. theme. Just you know, being being your all American white dude shooting down uh, shooting down Africans, infected or not, um, and like Jacob. Even though it maybe in some sense the ickiness uh, sort sort of maybe adds to the horror in some sense. Yeah. Uh, I I guess that's you know why privileged privileged little me never that that was never a factor that stopped me from playing. It was a lot of other stuff. So yeah, I guess that that never really played into my reserv res reservations of the game, but it's still there, and I think you can't really. From my perspective, you can't really deny it just on a on a pure imagery uh, level. So yeah, many many different feelings about this game, and I hope I managed to sum sum up some of it. Yeah, absolutely. And let's conclude with Charlotte replaying um, Resident Evil Five over the past couple of days after spending um, several days in a row with my um, my former partner playing it. Um, I feel like this time around. I could see a lot more of the ickiness and it was bothering me a lot more. I feel like mm. when I was had my um, my former partner sat next to me on the couch and we were just conversing over the experience, it was more of a brainless sort of afternoon of fun. But when you yeah. sat there on your own, you start thinking more about the story. And on the one one side, I can I can see the fact that they weren't really thinking about it when they construct the narrative and that it wasn't maliciously intended to be in many ways offensive but unfortunately that's sort of the the nasty aftertaste that you have to sort of um accept with resident evil 5 now um i think i would still recommend to play it having said that because i feel like there's enough there to make it uh, recommendable and that it's a, a decent part of the resident evil canon it's it's deeply flawed as some of the some of the um, forum contributors have said, but it's still something that it has many features that's that are quite interesting to play with. Um, 
And it's another example of um, a sort, sort of over-the-shoulder style Resident Evil, which can be quite satisfying to play, especially when you get chains going on in mercenaries or just in the normal game of killing enemies. Mm. Um, so I think on the whole, I feel like my impression of Resident Evil 5 has got worse over time, but I still think it's it's worth trying out, even though it's probably not going to be most people's favourite Resident Evil of the bunch. Lovely. Thank you, everybody. Uh, hope you feel that we've uh, done some of the complexity surrounding this game, uh, something closing, close to justice. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting one. And we have to cover Resident Evil 6 in a month, <laughs> 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 which should also be interesting. Uh, so it remains for me, Leon, to thank Charlotte, Jacob, Mikhail, Editor Jay, and to all of you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast and you appreciate the work that goes into it to making all the stuff that we make uh, and produce for your listening pleasure uh, please subscribe rate review if you can on apple podcasts or itunes or wherever you get your podcast from best of all though support us to the tune of just a dollar a month at patreon.com slash you'll get every show a week earlier and extended in most cases as well as an exclusive monthly cast uh, and next time in issue 342, we continue our look at Square's epic JRPG series with the beloved Final Fantasy VI. 